Good afternoon, Mendocino County. I'm Michelle Hutchins, County Superintendent of Schools. In today's edition of Inside Education, I'll interview the new educational leaders of Anderson Valley Unified, Leggett Valley Unified, Manchester Union Elementary, Potter Valley Unified, and Willits Unified School District. Specifically, I'll ask these five superintendents hired just this July about their experiences starting to lead a new school community during a pandemic and what they've done to prepare their schools for in-person learning. These interviews were pre-recorded on August 24th and August 25th. We'll take these districts by alphabetical order by the district name, starting with Anderson Valley. This is Louise Simpson, Superintendent of Anderson Valley Unified School District. Louise, tell us a little bit about what you did prior to July 1, 2021. Well, education is my second career. I am... Um, just prior to this year was the assistant superintendent and principal over at Vallecito Union School District. And um, that was a very wonderful, small rural school district system. We had three schools, mountain community, vineyard culture, and we had one of the unique experiences of being the only school district open all year last year. So we were able to get all kids back to full in-person learning beginning in October last year. Very fortunate for those students. No, it was a great, a great and crazy ride, but we were happy with it. (laughs) What inspired you to become a school administrator and move to a remote part of California to lead such a small school district? Well, I was inspired to enter education when my son was born and he um, was autistic. And so, you know, through working with his experiences with the educational system, I found that um, I wanted to be part of it and to bring some real significant changes to how we worked with our special needs kids. So I went back to school. I became a special ed teacher. Um, That was amazing. And then um, I wanted to do even more. So I went back to get the administrative credential. And I moved up to the rural school district when my partner passed away. And um, I had had a vacation home up in the Arnold area. And it was a really comfortable move, but still a great new challenge. And The best thing about rural school districts are the people and the relationships that you create and how you know every single child and you know all about their story and what's great and what's not so great. And so that's why I love rural school communities. What are your short-term goals? Let's say the first 100 days. So we've had a wonderful approximate 50 days. So um, getting to know the staff and the community, and I've had an amazing welcome from everyone. It's just been fantastic. And then we've been doing an amazing drive to refresh the sites. We put in two new playgrounds. We've been doing carpeting and repainting and grounds work and talking about how we're going to welcome these kids back and create comfort and stability and also amazing challenge for them, for the kids that have flown during the distance learning and to also get back into some interventions for kids that need support. So it's just been a fantastic 45 days. We held a visioning session where the staff all came together and they talked about their hopes and dreams for the future. And um, we're getting some real concrete ideas together about where we want to go because we can do anything we want. We just can't do everything. Then what do you see as your long-term goals and what will you want to accomplish at Anderson Valley? 
Well, long-term, we want to create a very open and collaborative culture where we um, can honor all viewpoints and where we're completely working together as a team. Um, and there's so much strength in that right now. Um, we want to bring some innovation back into some um, instructional programs. You know, everybody knows the story. We used to have a plane that we taught flying. So I don't know if we can do that, but we're doing some really cool stuff like electric cars. And um, we have a really robust partnerships throughout our, our our community that we're hoping to build on. So we want to do that. And we also really want to stabilize our infrastructure with any old school school buildings. You know, you've got stuff that you can't fix anymore. You need to repair, replace, and, and really get a plan together. So the federal government dollars are going to be important to us as we use those to repair some things for air safety, like our old air conditioning systems, replace windows and get some bang for our bucks in, in that manner too. So we have a lot on our plate. Great, great partnerships throughout the community, such as with the health center and things like that, that we're looking to build on. What do you see or do you foresee to be the best part of being the educational leader in this small community? I get to be with kids every day. I get to go fill up my bucket. My office is right next to the elementary school. I get to walk classrooms, high schools a mile away, junior high. So when you're in a small community, and this was one of the things at Balacito, is I knew the kids, I knew the stories, and I built those relationships with parents and families. And that is why I love small school districts. I taught in a big 12,000 kid district. And it's great, but it's not the same. It's not the same. What do you foresee to be your challenges of being the educational leader in Anderson Valley? Well, there's always um, days that are better than other days. And so the challenges are are, um, you know, making the small resources that we have with 468 kids. It's the challenge of using our money wisely to get the most educational benefit for kids. So it's just managing all the resources we have and the community partners we have and doing the best we can for kids. So what has been the most surprising aspect of leading your school community so far? Well, the best thing is the warmth and the kindness and the energy and the openness that has been incredible. And, you know, I just need 26 hours in a day instead of 24 to try and do everything we want to do. But um, everything's been really great, really great. Let's talk a little bit about COVID preparation in your schools. Realizing much of the planning may have occurred before you joined the school community, what kinds of mitigation protocols or strategies has your school implemented or plans to implement to keep kids safe? Well, again, I'm lucky because I went through this last year and we had very intensive protocols in place because we didn't have a vaccine when we went back to school. So how are we going to keep all of our staff members safe, all of our kids safe? So I don't have a question that we can do that so long as we follow the protocols. So that's the stringent masking requirements, the hand sanitizing, staying home when you're sick. That's the big one. And it's so hard when school is childcare for our families. And I completely understand that, but um, we really need to partner with our families to stay home when they're sick. And then I'm really excited. Anderson Valley qualified for a state program for pooled testing where the state is actually paying to have 
resources and personnel come in on a weekly basis, test our students and our staff, anybody that signs a permission slip. And then if anything comes back positive within that one sample or pool, they come back and do another rapid test. So the testing has been available, but the state is actually providing the manpower for us. And we qualified because we have so um, many different populations that we serve. So that is very exciting. Um, we expect to have that launched within the second week of September. And in the meantime, the health center's just been an amazing partner and they're stepping in to help test staff. So we're just keep managing the circumstances, managing symptoms and taking a look at, you know, the data and what, what we need to do. Have you received any significant pushback to implementing any of the new protocols? This community has been outstanding about the shared belief that everybody keeps everybody safe. So unlike other communities where there's, um, and this is the community that I came from previously where it was a politicized issue. It was very difficult to get to yes, but we did that even last year, making sure that everybody understood the only way we could be in school was if we all did masks and we all did hand sanitizer and we all did distance. This community understands that we have a collective good and we're gonna be safe together. What do you say to the parents of an elementary school student too young to be vaccinated who is fearful of sending their student to school? We completely acknowledge um, that and it is scary. And then my job is to assure you we're gonna follow all those guidelines for the protocols for the masking and the hand washing and making sure people don't come when they're sick. The only safety we have is in implementing the full measures for our families that are um, really needing a different circumstance. Maybe they have a family with a severely compromised situation or something like that, or the student, you know, we're a very unique school in that we offer Anderson Creek, which is an independent study that also has the accessibility of daily instruction if you want. So while a lot of districts were scrambling to set that up, I had a legacy that it already was in place and we could just build on that. So that's been beautiful. Have you noticed any patterns or trends within your student body throughout this experience? Have different age groups responded differently? What about teacher engagement? I think everybody's just incredibly excited to be back. And um, I rode the bus the other day and the kids were telling me how excited they were to be with their peers. And what's the best thing about being in school? I get to be with my friends. I get to see my friends. Um, The littles were finding, you know, after a year of no school, the stamina, you know, they're tired by the time the end of the day. So we're asking folks to make sure they're eating well and getting enough sleep because they haven't had that rigorous long day. So that's that's an area. But overall, I think um, there's some real innovation going on in teachers' practices too, because they're incorporating some of that tech that they had done in the distance learning, but they're getting the freedom of having the kids back in, in full live instruction too. So I think there's a lot of um, things that are different since the pandemic that are good too. How will your schools measure any learning loss that students may have experienced from almost an entire year of distance learning? 
Yeah, you know, there will be learning loss in some students, and then there will be students that have become high flyers, too, because the the opportunities that they had online allowed them to extend. So we're not going to just measure the loss. We're going to measure the gain. How has experiencing a pandemic changed your perspective on being an educator? I think welcoming students back, there's amazing respectfulness in students about how they view their education now. Um, There's a gratefulness about um, being able to come to school. I noticed this last year, discipline problems went way down when we returned to school because first of all, kids were spaced out a little bit and they weren't in each other's space, but they also really, really were happy to be there. So I, um, I'm going to take the, the, the silver lining is, is kindness and respect have come out of this pandemic and in the communities that I've served. So no one expected this pandemic to last this long. Has this experience either changed your opinions about any aspect of education or reinforced previously held beliefs? It has shown me that school matters. It matters. Education, especially public education, is the biggest driver for success of a student that they can have and not having it for a year because of the pandemic or not being able to access it because of the connectivity or not being able to have the support of an in-person teacher or classified staff member, it shows an achievement. Public education matters. It changes lives. I was a teacher's aide was my mom. My dad was the plaster. And through public education, I was able to become a superintendent. I am passionate, passionate that public education is a path. Mendocino County is made up of many unique communities. If you ask residents from any of these communities what they love about where they live, each one will boast about the support their community gives to them and their neighbors. Most of our schools experience stable leadership. Knowing you live and work in a community eager to see you thrive, what support do you need? How can the residents of the community you serve help you succeed? Well, we do have an amazing community. I'll be one of those that will say our community is just an outstanding asset. I think the most important thing that a community can give, especially in a non-pandemic time, is the gift of time where they're coming in and volunteering. And we have the Unity Club, which, you know, we asked for some flowers at the front of the school and they magically appeared. I mean, there's so many things that can just be a small thing that means so much to the school. So um, the gift of time and the gift of candor too. If we're, if we're um, doing something great, let us know. And if there's something you think, Hey, Louise, I think we could do this in a better way. That's an important conversation and the door's always open. This is Louise Simpson, Anderson Valley Unified School District Superintendent. Our next superintendent is from Leggett Valley Unified School District. It's Dr. Jeff Richley. Dr. Richley, tell us a little bit about what you did prior to July 1, 2021. Well, prior to July 2021, I was the director of alternative education and adult education in Willits. So I was principal of the alternative high school, and I was director of the adult education program. 
What inspired you to become a school administrator? When I first became a teacher, I always thought, what would it be like to be a principal? Then I became an assistant principal and then a, a principal. But ultimately, it's the rural schools that I really fell in love with. I first started, I moved from the Minneapolis to Eastern Sierra in Eastern California, and I ended up in this small little school named Colville High School. I was a K-12 assistant principal. And then I was laid off, and I went to Needles. And then from Needles, I came up to Willits, and they were all very small towns, and I just became more and more interested in, you know, how to raise student achievement in small rural schools. Then what are your short-term goals in your new district? What do you plan to do in the first 100 days? My main goal is to get as many resources into the school district that other school districts have in Mendocino County, such as Mendocino County Youth Project or adult education or kids taking Mendocino College classes. What is or what do you foresee to be the best part of being the educational leader in this small community? Well, everything that you do has a, an impact on somebody. And seeing everybody come together, for instance, of making uh, the schedules for the teacher's assistance. You know, rather than doing it myself, I just brought everybody together around the table and they were able to create schedules for everybody in the matter of 15, 20 minutes and have it done rather than trying to figure out who everybody is and doing it top down. What do you see to be your biggest challenges of being an educational leader in Leggett? You know, just trying to encourage everyone to try new things. You know, we all, including myself, you know, we all get stuck in doing things a certain way. And there's a thousand different ways to do things, especially in education. What has been the most surprising aspect of leading your school community so far? Uh, you know, everybody is super, super, super kind to me. And in other jobs where I've started, it's like people are trying to get the best of you, it seems like, and or get something from you. Here, everybody just has genuine love, and they all want to work together to get the job done and uh, do the best for kids. Let's talk a little bit about COVID preparation in your schools. Realizing much of the planning may have occurred before you joined the school community, what kinds of mitigation protocols or strategies has your school implemented or plans to implement to keep kids safe? Well, we're just taking the normal universal precautions of wearing masks inside and outside during the school day. And we have students and staff get tested every day. Have you, come to school. have you received any significant pushback to implementing any of these protocols or mitigation strategies? None at all. If, if anything, they want more. What do you say to the parents of an elementary school student too young to be vaccinated who is fearful of sending their student to school? I would have to say we have to trust the universal precautions and that they're going to work, and that, uh, that we're taking all the... We're taking all the precautions we can to keep all students safe. I mean, in Leggett, it's the point where we're almost still six feet apart in everything we do. That's how serious we take it there. How has experiencing a pandemic changed your perspective on being an educator? I'm far more empathetic to people. 
And before the pandemic, I was, you know, I was empathetic, but not very empathetic at all. But now after going through everything with everybody, you know, and really when I worked in Willits, just working together with the community to, you know, improve student achievement and just to keep kids in school, you know, that really taught me a lot. And now that I have a different role, I'm far more empathetic than I was before. No one expected the pandemic to last this long. Has this experience either changed your opinions about any aspect of education or reinforced previously held beliefs? I would say it reinforced previously held, held beliefs. And, you know, we're, we all went to college for a reason, and that was to help students and make an impact with them. And, you know, one thing that we did learn is that as educators, we all are, we all are flexible. And as we move forward, we just have to remember that as we're working with children and, you know, working with people is to be flexible. And I think everybody learned that in every school district. So what are you most looking forward to this year? For me, it's building relationships with the staff, with the students and with the community and getting to know all 120 students in Leggett Valley Unified School District. And that's something that's probably I can do. Mendocino County is made up of many unique communities. If you ask residents from any of these communities what they love about where they live, each one will boast about the support their community gives to them and their neighbors. Most of our schools experience stable leadership. Knowing you live and work in a community eager to see you thrive, what support do you need? How can the residents of the community you serve help you succeed? You know, just be patient with me. You know, all my intentions are genuine. And, you know, they don't have any issues behind them. And everything I say, it comes from my heart. And, you know, just be patient with me. And as, as you learn me and my mannerisms of uh, maybe I might seem like I'm not empathetic, but I, I really am, you know, and just be patient. Thank you, Dr. Richley. And again, this is Dr. Jeff Richley, Superintendent of Leggett Valley Unified School District. Leggett Valley Unified School District Superintendent. Our next superintendent we're interviewing today is Alexander Britton. He's the superintendent principal in Manchester Union Elementary School. Superintendent Britton, would you please tell us a little bit about what you did prior to July 1, 2021? My last job was teaching juniors and seniors in a high school in the Central Valley. I was actually teaching independent study and how that differed from a regular classroom is I simply had individual Zoom meets with my students. Prior, the year prior to that, I was a K-8 intervention specialist and that was the year that the pandemic hit us. The year prior to that, I was a superintendent principal at a small school in Siskiyou County. And the year before that, I was in Humboldt County. And I've moved quite a bit, even uh, the years before that. So I, I've got quite a range of experience. Small communities are not foreign to you? Not at all. I've worked uh, in a few large districts, but mostly smaller ones. 
What inspired you to become a school administrator and move to such a remote part of California? Well, I've worked in a number of school districts, as I said, and frankly, I didn't aspire to be an administrator. In my early 40s, I had seen enough bad administrators that I thought (laughs) I could do that. Uh, And I got my credential. Even then, I didn't jump into an administrative job. I did a lot of teaching. But I've, I've enjoyed it, especially in the small districts, because I have worn virtually every education-related job in a district. I think the only things I haven't done is be the kitchen supervisor and the business manager. I like remote areas. There's just a certain dynamic that comes with small schools, and there's a very positive sense in most small school districts that I've got everybody working together and helping each other. And Manchester certainly is well described by that. Tell me a little bit about what your short-term goals are with this new position. What do you have planned for your first 100 days? You know, I was asked that question in my interview with the school board, and I told them basically I'm not going to make any plans. I'm going to sit back and listen and watch and learn and, you know, see what the school district needs, how I can bring any skills that I might have to this school district in particular. But I think the first bit is just seeing that everybody's needs are met, the the other teachers, that staff are taken care of in terms of their emotional health, just because everyone's taken a battering this last year. And by supporting staff, of course, that helps them better support the students. But I just really have an eye out for seeing that students are coming back with a good attitude and being supported and, you know, segueing into as normal of the year as we possibly can. What do you see as your long-term goals? I have to kind of sidestep that as well, because I need to learn more about this district and what their needs are. You know, we're limited financially. We don't get near the amount of money other districts get. So I have some ideas about certain things with technology, but also buying more books, increasing the library, having parents more directly involved in school life. And like I said, I just need to learn more about this district before I can formulate anything longer than I could see right now. What is or what do you foresee to be the best part of being an educational leader in this small community? Well, one, I get to know all the kids. Uh, And two, I get to know all their families. And as a result, of course, I, you know, I get to know the community because can't go out anywhere anonymously, obviously. I went down to the pier the other day and there happened to be a, a local gathering of people and a couple of people recognized me and, and uh, it, you know, it's kind of funny. I just was there to relax after work, sit in my car and watch the waves. And, uh, uh, you know, oh, there's Principal Britain. And then people were coming up and talking to me. So I like that. I do like living an anonymous life, but I can do that when I, you know, go somewhere else. In the meantime, it's great to know the stu- all the students and the families and get to learn the history through a, a variety of eyes. What do you foresee to be your challenges of being the educational leader in Manchester? Being able to get uh, employees here and being able to get housing for them. Right now, I have advertised a position for an instructional aid. I have two teacher positions I'm advertising for, one a full-time teacher, sixth to eighth, 
and one a support teacher. And I just will be bringing that support teacher on part-time here in the near future. I had somebody inquire about the instructional aid job, but uh, they have yet to follow up. And the sixth to eighth grade job is what I'm doing right now. I haven't had any responses on EdJoin either. So I'm thinking that I'm going to be the full-time middle school teacher this year. Let's talk a little bit about COVID preparation in your schools. What kinds of mitigation protocols or strategies has your school implemented or plans to implement to keep kids safe? Everyone employed here is fully vaccinated. We mask full-time in buildings uh, all day. We wash our hands several times a day. We sanitize in between every activity and in between touching anything that might be used by a group like a stapler or the tape dispenser. I plan on testing all staff and students vaccinated or not. If of those students whose parents get consent once a week and perhaps twice a week, you know, encourage also encouraging people to look at things in a positive way as much as we can, because how we look and interact with others affects our behavior and affects how we feel. And it may even affect our personal health. And I think the parents, they see us all masked as they come to school. We take the temperature of every adult and child as they enter the school. So we're showing that we're doing what we can. And I know the parents want their kids back at school and the kids want to be here. So we're trying to be safe in every way. It's important to emphasize that all of these mitigation strategies are put in place to protect in-person instruction. Correct. Exactly. That's, that's, I've stated that specifically to parents. How will your schools measure any learning loss that students may have experienced from almost an entire year of distance learning? Well, of course, right now we're uh, assessing what they have. These students are new to me, so I'm finding out where their math skills are, their reading skills are, and so forth. I'm going to be working with my teachers and, of course, including myself in some new strategies for instruction. And I'm pretty well read on what the best strategies are for teaching in general and the best strategies for students to to inculcate the information they get. There's a strategy I'm working with now that basically uh, our goal is to double learning this year. What changes do you foresee for the remainder of the year? None. None. That is, not that there won't be any changes, is that I can't foresee any changes. Theoretically, if the virus comes to our school, we might have to quarantine everyone. And we're making contingency plans on that. But we have no idea. We don't know what's going to happen. And I'm not going to try to look into the crystal, crystal ball. We're just going to take care of the things that we can take care of. And that's all we can do. How has experiencing a pandemic changed your perspective on being an educator? What is the value of in-person instruction, academic and social-emotional? Well, I think it's, you know, the ideal, ideal way to get your, an education. But what the pandemic has shown us is how quickly teachers uh, and others have stepped up and learned new tools and learned new strategies and I've worked towards realizing how important the social emotional aspects are towards learning. And for some people who may be listening to this, this isn't just sort of like the good feel, 
good feeling talk about making kids feel good or fit in. Lots of research demonstrates that directly teaching social emotional skills in the class or even the distance learning can result in improved test scores and learning up to 11%. So it's, it's a tangible benefit academically as well as additionally. I've just noticed that teachers have really stepped up, administrators have stepped up, and classified staff have. Everyone at every level has shown their level of care and commitment. And a lot of good things have come out of this simply by pushing education forward in certain ways and also helping us support each other in ways that we may not have done before. What are you most looking forward to this year? You know, it's kind of funny. I got this extra job laid in my lap, but I love teaching. And I'm in kind of absurd way excited about teaching this class full time because I get to interact with the kids all day. But I'm also looking forward to having challenges that are that are big. Help one to realize one's own potential and to step up and achieve greater things within oneself. And I hope that I can meet the challenges that that face me and face our school. Knowing you live and work in a community eager to see you thrive, what support do you need? How can the residents of the community you serve help you succeed? Well, they can be patient with my mistakes and the learning curve I have for many things. I would like to see teachers out here, but this doesn't really have to do with the community. This has to do with bringing people in from outside the county, perhaps, or outside of the area so that we can fully staff to what we can what we can afford to do so in this district. So I, I, I'm looking forward to the support of the community. This is, I've had nothing but you know good experiences wherever I've gone and whoever I've talked to, and I'm looking forward to more of the same. Excellent. Thank you so much. Again, this was Alexander Britton, Superintendent of Manchester Union School District. Thank you, Superintendent Britton. Really appreciate your time today. My pleasure. You're listening to Inside Education. My name is Michelle Hutchins. I'm your county superintendent of schools, and we're interviewing district superintendents that are brand new to the county this year. Up next is Dr. Nicole O'Dell from Potter Valley Unified School District. Dr. O'Dell, tell us a little bit about what you did prior to July 1, 2021. Sure thing. So I've spent the last three years at Williams Unified in Williams, California, where I was the assistant principal, the director of our English learner program, the district attendance supervisor, as well as many other roles as a small district usually does. And then previous to that, I had taught for 10 years. I taught four years at Jesuit High School in Sacramento, an all boys Catholic school where I taught science from general science to physics. And then the previous six years, I was at an all-girls school in San Jose, Presentation High School, where I taught science as well as Algebra One. And I was also the director of the Math and Science Academy at Presentation. Previous to that, I did some community college teaching, and I was doing my PhD in animal behavior. What are your short-term goals? 
let's say for your first hundred days, knowing that maybe 50 of them have already gone by? 50 have gone by already. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's going fast. My first real goal was to build relationships and learn how my community uh, communicates. Another goal is just to examine the systems that are already in place at Potter to see what is working well, what is in my area expertise to tweak and make better, and what other areas do we think that the community wants us to work on. What do you see as your long-term goals? Long-term goals uh, for Potter Valley is that we really start communicating what we're doing out here. They are doing a lot of really good things in their CTE programs. They're doing um, good things starting with their independent study program that they are building. We're doing dual enrollment. And many of those are not being seen by the community. They're not being seen by outside of our community. I really wanna continue to build those, to communicate those and make them stronger. And ultimately, help keep some of our students here. We have many students that decide to go to Ukiah or other districts for more opportunities, not realizing we have some of those same opportunities here. What is or what do you foresee to be the best part of being the educational leader in this small community of Potter Valley? I think the best part is being able to see the impact of what you do right away. Because you're building those relationships and it's a small community Anything you do decision-wise or changes, you can see it right away um, because you're talking and working with the people that are experiencing those um, changes and giving you feedback right away. In a larger community, you're not necessarily going to see what a kindergartner in your third elementary school um, feels about the changes because you don't ever meet that child or ever meet that parent. And here, nobody can hide. Um, I'll be able to know about each parent because it's such a small community. What do you see to be your challenges? I think one of the biggest challenges for me personally will be making the switch from being an assistant principal to becoming the superintendent and principal, the junior high and the senior high. There's a lot of roles there. I'm used to balancing a lot of roles, but there was always somebody above me that you know, it, the decisions were laid at their feet ultimately, and now that's my job. Um, so balancing that and making sure that I'm still getting into the classrooms and being an instructional leader, which is something that's at my core um, goals. So balancing the district office job with the uh, site level jobs. They do say being a superintendent principal of a secondary school is one of the toughest jobs in education. Mm-hmm. So moving into COVID a little bit, let's talk about the COVID preparation in your schools, realizing that much of the planning may have occurred prior to you joining this community. What are the strategies and mitigation protocols that your district's putting into place? First, we reviewed our previous plan and all the changes. From day one I got on the job, things had changed since June when I was at my last district. Um, Athletics has changed, our guidance about quarantining students. And every day since I started and was arrived on the job, things have altered. So I brought our COVID plan um, to our school board three times already. And every time there's been a change the night before the board meeting. One is just rolling with it and keeping everybody informed. The other piece is making sure that our parents and our kids know 
what they need to do on campus. And we've been prepping them for a few weeks. So it wasn't a surprise when we started campus on Monday that they needed their masks, that they should have a water bottle, that we would be implementing and keep, keeping up the hand washing and the sanitizing. So there was no big surprise for our families about what was going to be needed when their kids came to campus. And so far, everything has worked really well. Um, we've been having meetings with our maintenance and operations, with our district office and our school site administrators all together in a room just to w work through the plans. And then we met um, after the first day to see how did it go? What do we need to do to shift? So we're constantly in contact that's one benefit of being so small. I can just walk across the campus and I can run into everybody I need to talk to. Have you received any significant pushback to implementing any of these new protocols or strategies? Very little. Um, there are some questions about masking, but I think with the state allowing us to offer two options of independent study or in person, people that are not comfortable with the full masking have an option. The second piece is many of our families, they just want their kids back in school and whatever it takes to get there. I would say the biggest pushback would have been from athletics since athletics seems to be changing still and we still haven't heard from CIF. Um, there's concern about masking during games. So that is one area where we're still working on what our policies will be and working with other districts to see how can we mitigate that and allow our, our um, students to participate in athletics fully. Moving back to you personally, how has starting a new job in a new community been different with the existence of a global pandemic? Well, it was a big move for us in general. Um, we moved our kids. They have a new district. My husband is lucky that he can work remote. So in that way, it's been easy. Finding a house during COVID is difficult. Um, we finally are just closed on our house today. Congratulations. But, thank you. But all the, um, you know, can't see the house without having this or having masks on. And um, there's a lot more regulations on looking at homes. And then even our title company we couldn't walk into the door for anything except for closing they you handed the checks through the door um so that was different and it was more restrictive on hours when you're trying to start a new job and you're at work for long hours the other piece is just trying to get to know a new community and having um, the restrictions of covid and gatherings has been a little bit more difficult a lot more planning than it would have taken, say, two years ago when you could just say, hey, we're having a huge social, you know, just come and bring everybody. Now it's bring your mask, social distance, we're outside, be aware of the heat. There's a lot more pieces there you have to plan for. No one expected the pandemic to last this long. Has this experience either changed your opinions about any aspect of education or reinforced previously held beliefs? So I think what the pandemic has done for myself and others is realize that there's a lot of pieces we need to teach our kids earlier on. They're now in a world where computers, technology is a daily thing from kindergarten or even earlier. And we weren't really prepared for that. We weren't prepared to go distance learning completely online. We haven't prepared our kids 
to be more uh, self-reliant in that way. And so I think education going forward needs to realize that those skills have to be embedded. We have to teach kids to be a little bit more self-reliant and be able to find answers. And that's gonna have to start at a younger age. For myself, I some of the aspects of distance learning and COVID learning is really brought about how important that hands-on is and how important those relationships are. When I viewed teachers that have strong relationships with their kids, those kids were successful online, regardless of the technology struggles or the struggles they might have of balancing, taking care of three siblings at the same time as doing their homework. Where the relationships were missing, it was even more evident than we normally see in a classroom. The kids didn't show up, um, they didn't care if their work was done, or they didn't have somebody following up. So it really emphasized how important relationships are in education and for children and ours to really want to do well. Mendocino County is made up of many unique communities. If you ask residents from any of these communities what they love about where they live, each one will boast about the support their community gives to them and their neighbors. Most of our schools experience stable leadership. Knowing you live and work in a community eager to see you thrive, what support do you need? How can the residents of the community you serve help you succeed? Well, even in my first 25 to 50 days here, I've seen how much my community cares about the school and about the experiences our children have. The most important thing I can ask for is time to get my feet. Um, there's a lot of needs and a lot of things that we need to support, and I have many roles. So the support I really need is to give me time, give me feedback, um, tell us what we need and what we want, but give me time to do all the jobs I need to do, especially with COVID. We seem to be shifting daily and trying to keep up with the state mandates and keep up with keeping our kids just in school that I really need time and the understanding that I will get to it and all their feedback is important, but time is limited. And um, that's the most important support I could ask for for my community. Thank you, Dr. Adele. Again, Potter Valley Unified School District School Superintendent, Dr. Nicole O'Dell. Moving on, we're going to be interviewing Joe Aldridge, Superintendent of Willits Unified School District. Tell us a little bit about what you did prior to July 1, 2021. Well, I'm excited that this is my 20th year in education. So I've been uh, across the country. I started teaching in South Carolina years ago. Um, I've served on the Navajo Reservation uh, as a teacher um, I've worked in Virginia uh, when I got my master's, and uh, I've been in California now in, for the last, this is the 13th year in California, and out of those um, 13 years, uh, this is my fifth year in Mendocino County. I was uh, in Mendocino County uh, previously, um, working in Round Valley, and then in Willits, so it's really nice to, to come back home. What inspired you to become a school administrator and move to rem a remote part of California to lead essentially a small school district? So my inspiration for serving small districts started when I was in uh, Arizona. Um, it really started my journey. I was kind of forced into administration as my principal passed away about two weeks before school started. And so that really started my, my journey. Uh, I had to kind of step up and, and uh, be a vice principal. <laughs> Uh, at a moment's notice, basically. 
And so I found out I was really good at that and uh, enjoyed um, really serving rural communities. And that's where I've always been and, and where I intend to be um, for the foreseeable future. Uh, and as far as being out here and specifically in Mendocino County, while I was in Arizona, I met my now brother-in-law um, and uh, he, he was out here and said, hey, my principal uh, resigned their, their position you should apply and come on out. And so I did. And that's how I started in Round Valley. And uh, I absolutely love Mendocino County. I love the, the rural lifestyle. It suits uh, me and my family very well. Uh, we're very happy to be here. What is or what do you foresee to be the best part of being an educational leader in a small community? You know, I think uh, one of the, the the really rewarding aspects of this job is that uh, you get to see the changes uh, move through a system a little more quickly in a small environment. You get to see those ripples in the community a little quicker um, than you might would in a, in a large environment. And that's really rewarding. It's, uh, I, I love the fact that I step outside of my office and I'm on uh, uh, the elementary playground um, and, and I get to see the, the effects of my work every day. And I know that not everyone working at a superintendent level gets that opportunity. So I really do know how fortunate I am to have that, that's, that connection to our uh, small community. I love the idea that uh, it's, as I learn more more roles with folks here, I understand better um, who to reach out to to answer a, a question quickly, or if we have a need at the school, who, who we can have address that. Um, and it's lovely having that as a part of the community um, and, and being able to have a face-to-face -face conversation with someone, sit down and maybe go to dinner with them or, or that kind of thing make that, that personal connection. Um, it's all about those relationships in small communities and, and uh, it's what drives the work that we do. Then what do you foresee to be the challenges of being an educational leader in Willits? So I, I think right now uh, we're certainly looking at, uh, we're on an upswing with our facilities. We, our community helped us pass a, uh, a facilities bond and we're, we're making improvements. We still have a long way to go with that. So making sure our students have a, a wonderful uh, um, facility to learn in is, is a high priority for us. I think the other challenges are just, as, as I say, coming back out of the, this uncertain time with COVID and, and figuring out how to accelerate our learner, learning and keep all our learners engaged um, and moving forward is going to be our, our big challenge as a community as a whole. And so I look forward to, to opportunities to engage the community and uh, be able to have those conversations and say, how can we do this? Uh, you know, what are our opportunities here? So let's talk a little bit about COVID preparation in your schools. What kind of mitigation protocols and strategies has, has your schools implemented or plan to implement to keep kids safe? So we are uh, currently implementing uh, universal testing for our staff, uh, regardless of vaccination status. We worked with our, our uh, labor partners just to make sure that uh, we're keeping everybody safe. That was our agreement uh, that we came to. We're also having universal masking while on uh, on campus. So our students are masking both indoors and outdoors. This is, uh, after consulting with our local health partners, seemed to be the, the best way to help mitigate some of the spread that's happening right now in our community. We are also moving forward with a, a testing program, hopefully to start after Labor Day for our students and even community members, as well as our, our staff continuing to test, who through this program will have a day at each site that's run by uh, not district personnel. So that's a, a little relief on us. 
uh, working with a company to come in and, and provide PCR testing right here in Willits, which I know has been uh, kind of a hard thing to get to. Well, that's um, good. So, so we'll have a, a regular schedule at each of the sites where, where we can have both families, community members, and our students and staff test as well. Have you received any significant pushback to implementing any of these new, new protocols? Uh, no, most people have been uh, very understanding because with all of these protocols, we've been able to put into place the caveat of when this Delta variant starts to to calm down, then we'll reassess and, and uh, our plans and work with our health partners again to to modify the plan. And I think fortunately folks are, are feeling supported in that and heard around that. So when they do have concerns, we were able to work through them pretty efficiently and make sure our plan reflected uh, everyone's needs in this situation. What do you say to the parents of an elementary school student too young to be vaccinated who's fearful of sending their student to school? Uh, I say that we are trying to, to uh, work beyond uh, the minimum mandates to ensure that we're keeping all of those students safe. While we can't eliminate 100% of the risk, we are working to minimize that to as small as, uh, um, a risk as possible for all of our students and that we're working really hard and, and all of our staff are, are being super about implementing the protocols and, and following through on it. While, like I say, we can't eliminate 100% of the, the risk, we are certainly doing our best to mitigate it down to as small a, a, a risk as possible for our students. If that still doesn't help the, the parent feel good, then I, I talked about our alternatives with our independent study program that we're running through the district and try to get them connected with that support if that's what they need. How has experiencing a pandemic changed your perspective on being an educator? So as I was mentioning earlier, I, I think uh, it gives us uh, a, some opportunities, some new tools in our tool belt to, to really engage with this. Um, I come from a very strong uh, alternative education background and special education. So we've always kind of thought of things a little differently in my practice over the years. And I think that uh, those practices are really starting to shine now. We're really starting to get some, some headway and, and they're coming into the mainstream. I think that's really been welcoming in, in my regard that, that we're moving in that direction. I think that um, it, the other challenges to this and would be even more challenging had I not been in Willis before is just getting up to speed with kind of how uh, every everyone's reacting to things. I'm coming, uh, my most uh, recent district was down in um, Tuolumne County in the, the Sierra foothills. And so very different take on things. We were in school uh, at the end of September last year and went through the whole rest of the school year um, with only some minimal interruptions or whatnot. So that's coming from a very different place than where we were here in Mendocino County. And so uh, trying to adjust and make sure that I'm, I'm finding out those local norms and making sure that I'm honoring what the community needs out of our schools um, at this time has probably been the biggest challenge, just making some of those those good connections and, and uh, making sure that our plans reflect what, what we need for our community. What are you most looking forward to this year? You know, it, that really happened yesterday. It was uh, wonderful to see students coming back in a, uh, a fairly normal atmosphere, back to in-class learning that was really engaging. Today's my birthday and I couldn't ask for a better birthday present than to, to have had our students back and, and engaged in learning and, and our staff feeling just a little return to things and, and returning to, to how they're comfortable and trained to uh, provide for our students. And so that, that's really been uh, heartwarming for me. And, and like I say, one of the best presents I could have uh, for my birthday here. Well, happy birthday. Thank you.
So my last question for you, Joe, is Mendocino County is made up of many unique communities. If you ask residents from any of these communities what they love about where they live, each one will boast about the support their community gives to them and their neighbors. Most of our schools experience stable leadership. Knowing you live and work in a community eager to see you thrive, what support do you need? How can the residents of the community you serve help you succeed? I think, you know, I'll start with the second part of that question first is to just reach out and, and open those lines of communication. I, I don't necessarily have all of those connections just yet, but uh, I would love to have a conversation with anyone in the community. Uh, I've had quite a few community members already coming in, but I would welcome anyone uh, to come in and sit down. We'll have a conversation or if they're not comfortable in, in our setting, we'll set up a Zoom meeting or a phone call, uh, whatever works for them. Uh, just to make sure that, that I can understand what the needs of all of our community so that we can serve all of our students uh, effectively uh, with the best plans. So uh, just keeping that communication open and uh, also providing feedback, uh, giving us some, some clear understanding of, you know, Joe, that wasn't a great policy. Maybe we could do something different with that. Or, you know, hey, that was a fantastic policy. We love that that went down. Um, so just, just having that honest conversation with me, um, I, I don't have a big ego, so I'm not going to be offended at we need to do something better. Um, but I will celebrate the success with all of my staff, uh, with all the hard work that they put in for any kudos that we have from the community as well. Great. These are the words of Joe Aldridge, the new superintendent of Willits Unified School District. Okay, you've just heard from the five district superintendents that are new to our community. Please note, I've asked all five, how can the residents of the community they serve help them to succeed? In general, their answers were time and patience, giving understanding that the actions that they're doing are under genuine intentions. So I'm sharing this with our community because the job of the school superintendent is extremely difficult, and you've just heard their ask for support. And if we can give that to them, we may increase the longevity of our school leaders in our communities. And with that, we increase the school success of our students. So thank you for your time today. Thank you for listening. Again, Michelle Hutchins, County Superintendent of Schools with Inside Education. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Woolets and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening.